Hi, this is Rabbi David Orlovsky, and welcome to the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. And a uh, pleasure to welcome all of my listeners and all of my watchers on all of our various platforms, whether it's TorahAnyTime.com or on YouTube or on iTunes or on um, uh, iPod. I, I, Podcast uh, Land, uh, Podcaster Us, um, my big book of podcasts. I don't really know where anybody listens to this. <laughs> of, of course, my website, rebiolowski.com. Uh, so uh, whatever, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, it's a pleasure to be able to welcome you. And uh, we got some business to take care of first. And uh, I'll start with a little bit of history. There was a comedy team known as the Marx Brothers. They never were Yidden, who, who left the way. It's, when they were in vaudeville, there were five of them. When they went into uh, the films, there were only four of them, Groucho, Chico, Harpo, and uh, Zeppo. Zeppo was the straight man. And uh, Chico played this fellow who was a, uh, he played that he was an Italian and he was constantly mangling English. So there was this scene where Groucho was trying to give Chico directions. So he says, you keep walking until you come to a viaduct. And he goes, okay, viaduct. He says, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a stranger here myself. I, I, you keep walking until you come to a viaduct. He says, okay, viaduct, why not a chicken? So he says, because it's deep water, that's why not a chicken. You know, if you, if you had a horse and you wanted to ford over, you wouldn't be able to because the water is too deep. He says, if you got a ford, why are you going on a horse? He says, you know what? Just forget everything. They're building a bridge there in the morning. <laughs> now, I say this by way of introduction because of an email that I received from one of our listeners who, or watchers who writes, we are very much not tech-savvy, almost prehistoric, and we're not sure what a podcast is. Neither do our children or grandchildren. We're not sure what the purpose of this is. Is it a half-hour share on the Parsha, or is it meant to be something else? We listened, we listened last week and this week and enjoyed what was said on the Parsha, but don't get this whole podcast thing. Okay. So I wrote them back and explained to them, because I'm also not that tech-savvy, what a podcast is. You see, there's a term called broadcasting. Broadcasting is actually an agricultural term, because when they would throw the seed, they would cast it as far as they could in a broadcast, so that when you throw something out there to reach the most amount of people, it was called a broadcast. And so a radio or television is a broadcast because it's sent out to everybody who has a receiver. In the 1990s, someone came up with the idea of recording something and putting it up on the internet, either for people to listen to as it was live or to download later and listen to. Since the, advice, uh, <laughs> since the device of choice <coughs> was an iPod, so it became known instead of a broadcast as a podcast, which is essentially just a recording that you could uh, download later and listen to. 
And the person wrote me back with this explanation and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> so just forget everything. They're building a bridge there in the morning, okay? <laughs> this is the Rabbi Olavsky Show, which is a half-hour pre-recorded share on the parasha. It is not a podcast. Just forget about that. Even though we're starting off by saying this is podcast episode four, it's not. This is just a half-hour share related to the parasha, okay? I'm keeping this as simple as possible. Now, the title that we've been working with so far is The Rabbi Olavsky Show. I came up with that on my own, and I offered it up to the listeners and watchers to suggest whatever title they like. At least one person said, I like that show. I like that title, The Rabbi Olavsky Show. I think it says all that there is. But I have compiled a list of the various topics that have been sent to me. I'll read them through here so that you can decide if you like any of these better. Or Lofsky. I guess like, you know, like, or Hatorah, or, or, you know, so, or Lofsky. Or a variation, or Orlovsky. Yeah, I guess either or. Yeah. Um, Rabbi Orlovsky's Divine Comedy. A takeoff on uh, classic work, of course, Divine Comedy by uh, Dante. The Real Deal with Rabbi Orlovsky. Live from Jerusalem, it's Thursday night. The problem is that we're going to try to put this on earlier in the week. People say, you know, probably you get more people to listen if it's a, they see it's about the parish or if it's early in the week. So it'll have to be like live from Jerusalem, it's Monday night. And I don't know if that has the same ring to it. Um, Parsha Pod, Rabbi Olavsky Live. Problem with that is that I'm not because it's pre-recorded. A number of people suggested that we should do this live so that people could watch it live and ask questions. And you know, listen, we've done four of these. Let's let's, you know, I'm I'm open to uh, to try to do new new venues and things. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, an Orlovsky cast. Now these have a certain alliteration to it. Palpable Parsha, Parsha palpability. Uh, transparent Parsha, Parsha Transparency. I don't know if you noticed the reversal of terms there. Yeah? Uh, clearing up the Parsha, Parsha Clarity. Variation on a theme. Dave's Raves, Dave's Rants. I have to tell you the truth, raving and ranting, I, I, I hope that I don't do that. I, I try not to, but you know, I, I guess a rave and a rant may mean something different in the uh, modern vernacular. Um, affordable therapy. I happen to like that one because I, I really feel that this is, for me personally, this is, I can't afford therapy, so I'm just working out my various issues in public. Um, a pista what? <laughs> There's an area of philosophy called epistemology, and um, a pista what I think really captures that. Yeah. Uh, Torah, Avoda, and me. Okay. Um, Orlovsky orates. Rabbi Orlovsky opens the Torah. Rabbi O opens the Torah. Rabbi Orlovsky opens our eyes. Orlovsky or Voss? <laughs> anyway, we're sending it out there. I'm always happy to hear your comments, your observations. I really have tried to answer everyone who has written me. And needless to say, the many, many uh, 
you know, comments and emails that I've gotten, it's uh, really taking on a, a full-time job uh, just answering these, but I'm really doing a yeoman's effort. And uh, that more or less brings us to where we are. So since, uh, since this is supposed to be about the parasha, I mean, I, I spent a little time doing some business, but since this is supposed to be about the parasha, I think we should start talking about the parasha. Now, I look at the parasha and I see different ideas. And this week, Chai Sarah. And, uh, and there's a lot of ideas that I could choose from. And, and the one that I want to speak about is, for me, personally, poignant. Because this Shabbos, I'm going to be in Houston, Texas. And um, uh, it's uh, uh, going to be the young Israel of Houston. It's going to be very exciting for me. But I'm not going to be in Israel. And uh, this... Um, August 27th, me and my wife celebrated 30 years since we moved to Israel. We're living here 30 years. Um, we came originally for three, and so far we just haven't had the strength to pack up, so we're still here. You know, it takes it's a long time to pack. But in any event, so uh, we're here 30 years, and one of the ways I'm able to stay in Eretzschel is by going to America, because we have everything in Eretzschel except for a way of making a living for American rabbis, of which we have many. It is one of our greatest commodities. There are more American rabbis in Israel than there are um, salt in the Dead Sea. Yeah, We have so many of them, and there's only so many positions. So I'm lucky in that there are people in America who still want to hear me, and so I, you know, pack up my satchel and mosey on down, yeah, and I travel across uh, the length and breadth of America and, uh, you know, sometimes Europe. You know, it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I have had the schus for the past eight years to travel with Nasivas tours to exotic locations throughout Europe with, uh, with groups of people, and it's... Uh, it's friendships that I have maintained for years and years, a tremendous, tremendous chus to be able to have that opportunity. And uh, this year, anyone who's interested in going to Eastern Europe, I'm, I'm not going to Eastern Europe, I'm a Kohen. I find it halakhically problematic for me to go there. But um, uh, if you're interested, they run such a quality event, and everybody has always uh, raved and ranted about it. So I guess this is one of those Dave's raves and Dave's rants. So uh, if you want to go check out Nasiva's tours, uh, that's coming up. But, uh, you know, I, I leave it so. And it's poignant. I was just telling somebody the story today, actually, as I was driving them back. We passed Ammunition Hill. And I said the first time I was in Ammunition Hill was January 1969 a year and a half after the Six-Day War. My parents came six months after the Six-Day War, and a year later, they brought the three youngest children. And, um, and I'll, I'll never forget it. It was not a religious tour. But I'll never forget, we were... The bus was snaking along Bab el-Wad. Today, you have the Jerusalem Highway. Kfisha uh, It's It's... You can't even compare it. This was a two-lane, winding highway through the mountains. 
And as we approached Yerushalayim, the bus stopped, and um, the tour guide said, Jews do not ride into Yerushalayim. They walk. We all got off the bus and walked into Yerushalayim. And we come to that little, we used to have the flower arrangement that said, Bruchim Habayim Yerushalayim. I saw that. 1969, almost 50 years ago. And every time I come back to Herzl and I make that ride up to Yerushalayim, I have that same thrill. I have the schus to be able to be in Yerushalayim. Now this obviously ties into this week's parasha because when, um, when uh, Sarah dies, now, Avram has to buy a kever. And he buys Maris Machpela and Chevra. And he pays good money for it, much more than it was worth. He asks an outrageous amount of money. And, uh, and Avram Vino says yes. Yeah. There's a story with the, the Sat Marov, Rabbi Yoyal, that somebody came to him and gave him a tale of woe. And he needs $5,000. So he goes in the back, and he comes back with 4923 And he said, that's the best I can do. And the person said, thank you very much, and he leaves. So the Gabbai said, Rabbi, you could have given him the whole 5000 He says, nobody asks for what they need. Whenever a person asks, they're always asking for less. I knew he probably needed more. And if he would have said, I need $5,000, and I would have said, yes, he would have kicked himself home the whole way saying, oh, I should have asked for more. When everyone said 400 shekel, he was sure Avram would say, what, are you out of your mind? It's a, it's a fraction of that amount. When he said yes, Ephron spent the le- rest of his life saying, I should have asked for more. <laughs> so, you know, so we bought Moros Machpelah, and in fact, there are many Yidin who this Shabbos make their way to the Jewish community of Hebron in order to be able to be in for Parshas Chayisar. It's, it's interesting because we just had Rachel Imenu's Yorzeit, um, <laughs> which we know traditionally the date of it. But there is no source for it. Apparently there's no source for it. People take computers and they check to see Rochel Imenu's Yorzeit, that it doesn't show up in any midrash in any place. So someone said to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, you know, is there any Makor? He says, of course, it's a medrash. He says, what do you mean? We checked all of them. And he flips open the medrash, and it says the day that every one of the Shvatim were born. And it says, look when Benjamin was born. That's the same day that Rachel died. <laughs> That's always the problem with a computer, is that a computer is only going to be as good as the question that you ask it. Lahavdil, last week's parsha, uh, we saw that was the same thing that was true of the Urim Vitumim. When they had the whole Maisa of Pilegish Begiva, so they asked the uh, Urim Vitumim, who should lead the battle? Who should go out first? So the Urim Vitumim said, Yehuda Barosh. And they suffered a terrible loss, tens of thousands of casualties. And they came back and they realized they asked the wrong question. 
not who should go out first, should we go out to battle? So they said, can we go out to battle against Benjamin? And the Roman Torah said, yes. And they suffered another loss, tens of thousands of people. And they realized they still asked the wrong question. Not can we go out to battle, should we go out to battle against our brother Benjamin? Now we, we, we make assumptions. We make assumptions. There's this terrible question. Terrible question. I've been asked that. I've been working in Kiryu for many years. You get this, unfortunately, this question from from people. Yeah. If I'm going to be nichshal in uh, a Maisa Znus, is it better with a Jew or with a guy? I don't know if you ever heard this question. People ask this question. I said, I don't know. I don't know how to answer those kind of questions. I don't know the best way to tell you to do an Avera. I don't know. I could tell you the best way to do a mitzvah. Now, the truth of the matter is that the Chazal will deal with that. Right? Rav Kuperman from Michalah used to say, the difference between halacha and hashkafa is that halacha will tell you what to do in every situation. Hashkafa tells you which situations to be in. So, uh, so if you find yourself, you know, but you're going to ask me the best way to do an Avera, I don't, I don't, I don't answer those kind of questions. Yeah. The story of Yitzchak Ochanan, where there was this uh, this maskil, and uh, and somebody was saying to him, he says, "Yeah, but you got to admit, he does this good, he does that good." No. So Yitzchak Ochanan says, "You know what that's like? There was this girl who had to she had to eat treif. The doctor said she had to eat pig. I had to eat chazer. She says, okay, if I have to eat it, I want to check it. So the rev says, it, it doesn't make a difference. Goes, I don't care if it's not checked, I'm not going to eat it." That's it, I'd rather die. So he goes to the sheikh, and he says, listen, i got to ask a special favor. I need you to shech the pig. He says, I'm not going to shech the pig. He says, get another knife, do whatever. i just, I got a crazy girl here. What am I going to do? So, uh, so the sheikh shechs the pig. She says, no, 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 you got to check the lungs. should be glot. You understand? So he checks the lungs, and Taka, there's a shayla. There's a shayla and a sirchah. So he brings it to the Rav, and the Rav says, what do you want me to say? It's kosher? It's a pig. <laughs> That's what Yitzchak Honan says. What do you want me to say, you know? So when you ask a question, you've got to ask the question the right way. But in any event, so it was what we hold to be roughly Menu's yard site. And there's this tremendous um, attendance during that time at Kever Rachel. And... Uh, it's interesting. I don't go to Kfarim. I'm a, I'm a Kohen. There are some people who maintain Sadiqam and Matami, and they rely on that, but uh, that's not my psak. But we went to pay a shiva call in the frat. Dr. Matar, who's been our pediatrician for 30 years, and uh, we were coming back from a frat. And my wife says, you know, I never get a chance to go to Kevar Rachel. I said, let's go. Let's go. When... The Masil Sharm says in Zerizis, says, Hatcholos HaMitzvah, the beginning of Zerizis means when the opportunity comes your way, or when the time comes the way, or when the machshava occurs to you, because there's three different types of opportunities to do a mitzvah. Mitzvah says Jasmine Grama. You can't do the Seder before Pesach night. You, know, you just can't. You can't make Kiddush before 
the zman. Whatever the zman is. You can't say Krishma before the zman. It doesn't mean anything. You have to wait for the time. Sometimes you have to wait for the opportunity. You want to do a chesed. Help an old lady across the street. It helps if she wants to go. Uh, okay, so you decide to do a mitzvah. <laughs> I took the old lady. She didn't want to go, but I got the mitzvah. You, know I mean? <laughs> you have to wait for the opportunity to present itself. You know? That moment of tension in the life of every Jew. Yeah? To make the bracha on a rainbow. Because <laughs> there's, this, there's this tension. When you see a rainbow, you have to make a bracha on it. But it says, also listakil. So what does that mean? You got to look, but don't look too much. <laughs> Just look enough to be able to get it. It's supposed to staring at it. But yeah, if there's no rainbow, you can't make the bracha. You know, it's a machlekes, the bracha on Yama Godel. Um, whether you make it on um, the Mediterranean or on the Atlantic. So when I was on my Nasivas tours, we went to southern Spain and we went to Gibraltar. So there's the point with the Mediterranean and the, in Gibraltar, with the Mediterranean and the Atlantic meet. And there's a chance to make the mitzvah of making the bracha on Yamagodal according to everybody. But you have to wait for the opportunity. Well, the third one is when you think of it. Yeah, an idea occurs to you. As soon as the idea occurs to you, you should act on it because <clears throat> by waiting, he says, Ein sakana kesakanasi. There's no danger as great as that. Why? Because as soon as you have the idea to do something good, you're a better person just from the idea. Now your Yetzirah is bigger and there's more obstacles that are going to pop up in your path. So you should do it right away. So as we were driving back, my wife said to me, you know, ah, I haven't been to Kevrach in a long time. I said, let's go right now. Made the turn off. Went to, went to Kevrach. So Kevrach, Marasamach, Pela. You know, I have people come from Chutz Laaretz. Come to Eretz And uh, they're, okay, there are people come at the beginning. They want to do touristy things, you know. Um, go to the Dead Sea and float, you know, with a newspaper, you know, get that picture in. You know, people want to go certain places, take certain pictures, see certain things. People have been here for a while and they, and they come back. I say to them, so what do you want to do with your trip? They go, just want to daven. I want to go every day to the Kaisal. I want to go to Kever Rachel. I want to go to Maris Machpelah. I want to go to Kivri Tzadikim. We have that over here. We have certain tours, day tours, that just go from Kever to Kever to Kever to Kever. It's an opportunity to be able to daven. There's something about being in Eretz There's a Kedusha. All right, Mishnah and Kalim, Asar Kedushas. There are 10 levels of Kedusha. The first is called Eretz Shal. The second are cities that have been walled since the time of Yeshua. The third one is Yushalayim, and then the Harabayas, and it keeps growing from there. But the first one is Eretz Shal. That's Kadosh. When you're outside of Eretz Shal, there's a, it's a different level. Yeah. Pashas Vayetze, there's the, we know that Yaakov Avinu marries two sisters. Marries two sisters, but it says the others kept all the time. So the Ramban says, only in Eretz 
And the Ramban says an amazing thing. You know why Hashem commanded us to keep the Torah outside of Eretzel? So we'll remember what to do when we come back to Eretzel. But Torah is meant to take effect be'emes in Eretzel. That's the koyach of it. And so he won't let Yitzchak leave. Yaakov leaves. Unfortunately, when he comes back, then he has to leave again and die in Gullus. But he makes sure that his atzomas come back. He wants to make sure that he gets buried in Eretzel. At least, at least in death to come back to Eretzel. There's a, there's a power so it was interesting. I was, uh, on one of the um, on one of the tours that we did, so a group a group was there. So someone uh, uh, put up and said, um, uh, "You know, it's our anniversary. Where's a nice place to go?" I said, "Art show." <laughs> what can I tell you? I like it here. I've been here for thirty years. Every dollar almost that you walk in Israel, you get a mitzvah. If you, if you live in Israel, you're a veris, a mechaper. Kodesh Baruch Hu forgives your sins. There's a koyach to being in Israel. That doesn't mean it's not difficult. doesn't mean it's not difficult. But because it's difficult doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. So I've told this story other times, I'm sure. But, you know, I've, people come to Israel and they go, it's so hot here. I said, yes, it is. We're, we're in the desert. You know, it's, uh, it's hot. And it's so dusty. Why is it so dusty? I said, I'm sorry. The country was abandoned for 2,000 years, and the girl only comes in twice a week, so she hasn't gotten to everything yet, you know. And she says, so why do you live here? Why do you live here? That's the... That's the million-dollar question. Why do you live here? Because the greatest decisions in life are not necessarily based on what's easy. Yeah? That's a, that's a commandment, the 11th commandment. Take it easy. Chill. Relax. Yeah? Oy, life goes fast. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes it. But as you start to get older... And uh, I give it to Afiomi in the morning. And, you know, uh, the last five minutes we were doing Mesil Shasham, we finished it. Now he's starting to do Shari Tshuva. And he says, listen, you should do Tshuva when you're young. But if not, at least when you get old. Because you realize your body's closing down. You're at the end of the show. <laughs> this is the point when the wife tells the husband, go get the car. <laughs> We're closing down. Your body's closing down. The list of foods you can't eat grow. Whereas more than one person has said, if I wake up in the morning and nothing hurts, I know I'm dead. You know? Yeah. The Jew gets up with a crack. I don't know. Something's pulling over me. I don't know. <laughs> so at least do you then. Life goes fast. The things that we think are so important. When we look back, how many times do you ever hear somebody at some point in their life say, I wish I could live my life over again. 
because I'd live it differently. So why didn't you live it that way the first time? I didn't realize. I wasn't thinking. And that's what happens. We don't think. We don't realize where we're going. Because if we did, we would take the best option available. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that everyone should live in Eretzel. Trust me, there's no parking. Yeah, I don't need you. <laughs> what do I mean? I mean that I have Chaveirim, who, Moshe Shapiro's at Sal. I'm, I'm a, I, don't, I don't have the chutzpah to call him my Rebbe, but Moshe Shapiro told them, go to Chutzlaretz. You know, you, what you could do there. He sent Rabbi Tatz back to Chutzlaretz. You know, sent Rabbi Becher to, to Chutzlaretz. What you could do there. So, okay, I'm not saying that everybody's place is to be in Eretzel. But Libi the Mizrach, I should want to be in Eretzel. When, when, when Avram had to leave, that was one of his Nisyanis. He came to Eretzel and then he had to leave. Yaakov Avino had to run away, go to Chutzlaretz. And what happens? He has to switch malachim because these malachim aren't going with you out to chutzlaretz. When we have an opportunity, when we have a chance to come to Eretz and I'm not making chesvainus for anybody. I'm just saying that when we look around and say, "What are our options?" We have a chance to come to Eretz It's not like when I came here in 1969. It's not even when I came here for camp in 1973 or when I came to learn here the first time in 1975. It was much harder. They had, no, they had no napkins. They had wax paper napkins. You understand the problem with wiping your hands on a piece of wax paper? The good news is you just rinse them off and you use them again, you know? But uh, gosh, whatever soda they had came in these big, heavy, returnable glass bottles. There was no diet soda, you know? They had diet soda. It was called seltzer. But, uh, you know, there was no ice, you know? Somebody said to me once, you know why there's no ice? Because only one person has the recipe and they're in Miloim. <laughs> it's not like that today. Today, it's such a different world, you know? It's... it's but, I should think, Libi Mizrach, it's Machpela, it's Keva Rachel. It's an opportunity for me to be able to have that Kedusha, the first of the Kedushas of being in Eretzel. And if we come to Yerushalayim, we've already moved up a step. And uh, we go diving by the Kaisel, you know. What an opportunity. What an opportunity it is. So, a little something to think about this week. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And if you want to know uh, where to find uh, more about this show and, and links, rabbiolowski.com slash podcast. My event schedule is at rabbiolowski.com slash events. And uh, that's an opportunity if you want to see where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in America starting this Shabbos. And uh, if you want to contact me, you can go to rabbiolowski.com slash contact. Always happy to hear from everybody. And, uh, you know, what can I tell you? We'll be in touch. We'll continue this, uh, this wonderful experiment. Uh, for those of you 
who are not tech savvy, this is not a podcast. This is just a pre-recorded Parsha Shia. For the rest of you, thank you for joining me for the Rabbi Olavsky podcast. <laughs> and uh, one last, I have to say one last thing. Go out and vote, those of you in America. Here in Eretzstrel, we voted, Baruch Hashem. I don't know the results are, but we went out to vote. You know, in America, this is such a crucial time. What, what can be accomplished with a vote, what you can do. So uh, don't, don't miss that opportunity. Thank you.